Hi, I'm Josh Ritchie with Lone Star Family Farm in Stephenville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Supreme Court rules against pork producers. A decision last week by a closely divided court upheld California's Proposition 12. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Bringing new innovation to agriculture and food production in the Texas Panhandle is the focus of a new organization that will officially become open to the public this week. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the organization known as The Range. The director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research explains why improving agricultural research infrastructure is important to be included in the next farm bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have his comments just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Glyphosate is under legal attack. Some are saying that scientists have decided, but have they really? Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Supreme Court upheld California's Proposition 12 Animal Housing Law. The law bans the sale of pork from sows confined in gestation crates. The question was whether one state can make laws that apply to pork producers in other states. Iowa Pork Producers Association President Trish Cook says the pork industry is frustrated with the Supreme Court's decision because it isn't based on scientific studies and sets the precedent for other states to regulate commerce outside their borders. And that's what's so frustrating is the standards that have been set by Proposition 12 are not science-based. They have not been run through the American Association of Swine Veterinarians. They're not recommendations from any body in the pork industry or, you know, the science-based veterinarian recommendation. So it really just sets a bad precedent, enabling all these other states to regulate commerce outside their boundaries. Consumers who perhaps voted for this, maybe they didn't realize the consequences, but they're going to have more expensive pork. Folks who on low income or food insecure, it's just going to exacerbate the problem of trying to get a lean, uh, nutritious protein source. And so it's just really frustrating all around. The National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation were suing to overturn Proposition 12, saying it violates the Constitution's Commerce Clause and will force the pork industry to spend billions of dollars nationwide to adjust to California's demands. In one month, changes kick in, which will require a prescription for all over-the-counter animal antibiotics. 
The date is June 11th, and Dr. Tom Hairgrove, extension veterinarian with Texas A&M, says all antibiotics will need a prescription after that. 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have much except tetracyclines and penicillin and Tylenol. Those are the drugs we had. Anything else, we had to get compounded or whatever. That was before we got things like Batrol and you know, Nuflor and Micotil and all these other drugs. They're all script. They all come in under prescription. Okay, what this last effort is, is to take the last three antibiotics, really, which is the tetracyclines, the penicillins, and Tylen, and then put them under prescription. Hairgrove says you need to have a good relationship with your local veterinarian, not just for antibiotic prescriptions, but for the overall health of your herd. I think it's very important that establish that relationship. And my argument is, if I'm just using my veterinarian, for emergencies, right? I need him to pull a calf at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. But he can have so much input into your other practices like your deworming, your vaccination protocols, all those other things, and come at it with a little bit more of a science base. Again, that date is June 11th, less than one month away. Bringing new innovation to agriculture and food production in the Texas Panhandle is the focus of a new organization that will become open to the public this week. James Hunt tells us the organization is called The Range. A new organization known as The Range is getting its operations underway as it becomes open to the public on Friday of this week. As we've discussed previously, The Range is an acronym that stands for Regional Accelerator and New Growth Engine. The Amarillo-based organization's goal is to advance agriculture production and technological innovation in the Texas panhandle. Matt Garner is the executive director of The Range, and he says a major focus is helping develop ways to use our region's water more effectively. To be better stewards of water, we can't just look at, well, what was our yield of cotton or corn or wheat or something per acre? We need to also be looking at what was our net yield per unit of water used. Conserving water through new technologies, including more efficient irrigation systems, will cost money, of course. Matt Garner says the range wants water conservation to get support similar to what's been given to other innovations. Electric vehicles would not have had the success and wind power would not have had the success that it did if there hadn't been large, very large government subsidies, right? You go buy a Tesla or a Ford Lightning, you're going to get 7,500 bucks automatically from the government. You know, that might be a year or two years worth of car payments because you get that amount right then. The same was for the windmills. The reason that so many people were able to put in windmills is because they were getting automatic credits and rebates. And so if we want to employ new and innovative technologies, we're going to have to come up with programs like that for farmers and for producers. And so those are conversations that we're currently having with producers, trade associations, and legislatures. More about the range in future reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Improving agricultural research infrastructure should be addressed in the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti visits with the Director of Research for one of the nation's premier agricultural research universities. My guest today is Dr. Cliff Lamb. He is the Director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research. Dr. Lamb offered testimony and concerns before a U.S. House Agriculture Committee Farm Bill listening session in Waco earlier this year. Dr. Lamb recaps his testimony regarding the upcoming 2023 Farm Bill. 
one of the things that's really important to us is maintaining the resiliency of our current agricultural and forestry systems, right? And so that isn't just environmental resiliency, but economical and social resiliency. And so a lot of the work that we think is important to be taken care of in the Farm Bill is to ensure that programs do support the resiliency of our agri agricultural systems. From a research standpoint, the one thing that we are lagging behind in is infrastructure for research. In general, for every $1 invested in research, we generate greater than $32 in profits to a farmer, rancher, or agriculturalist in some way. And so, but we have tremendously aging infrastructure, research infrastructure, and the science is very different now. So figuring out ways in which we can improve our infrastructure is something that uh, I think is really important in this farm bill, improving agricultural research infrastructure in the future. There are also a lot of research programs that come through USDA that uh, any ways of improving, increasing the amount of uh, funding that can be appropriated to agricultural research is, is important to us, and that's what I'd ask the committee to consider. That is Dr. Cliff Lamb, Director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Glyphosate is a very important product for farmers, but Barry Mahler says it continues to be under attack. Several years ago, I made a major change in my own farming operation, just like many of my neighbors. We learned that maintaining high levels of residue is good for the soil and good for the crops, and we could best maintain that organic matter by parking the plows. Weed control by tillage was just too hard on that residue. The weeds would have to be controlled by other means, and one choice was glyphosate. Monsanto was the only source from 1974 to 2000, but when the time began to run out on the patent and several other formulations of glyphosate came on the market, the price came down from about $90 a gallon to as low as oh, 15 or so a gallon, and that's why it became the staple for farmers changing from tillage to spray. And it wasn't just the inexpensive part. It was one of the few herbicides that would kill grass and broadleaf weeds. And there's not much else out there on the market that'll do that. Well, a couple of years ago, lawsuits began to spring up claiming that glyphosate caused cancer. And there were some large settlements paid and probably more to come. The case brought against the product and those who sold it claimed that the scientific community agreed on the claim. So there really could not be any discussion about the matter. A California lawyer, as a matter of fact, had brought the issue before a panel of the Ninth Circuit judges asking for a label be required on glyphosate, but the judges found no scientific consensus. So I suppose that just saying that science concludes something isn't always enough to make it true. Lots of folks who depend on products like glyphosate will be watching this discussion very closely as it heads into the future. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Texas boaters are being reminded to clean, drain, and dry their vessels to prevent the spread of invasive species like zebra mussels. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And low-stress cattle handling techniques are recommended by beef quality assurance programs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Low-stress cattle handling techniques are recommended by Beef Quality Assurance Programs. Dr. Bob Judd says these techniques can benefit both the producer and the cattle. Bob Lavalley is coordinator of Oklahoma's Beef Quality Assurance Program, or BQA. Bob indicates at Drovers.com that cattle producers want to do the best job they can to properly care for their livestock as this affects their well-being and herd productivity. Although all cattle are not raised in the same environment, the principles of BQA should be effective in most circumstances. Having knowledge of vision characteristics of cattle will help direct their movement, and they have a wide angle of vision of about 300 degrees, but they do have a blind spot directly behind them. They can see some colors and can distinguish objects and individuals based on shape. Cattle generally will move from darker to lighter areas, while shadows can spook some cattle. It is important to keep cattle in visual contact with other cattle and use solid walls for loading chutes, because if cattle see movement out of the side of the chute, it will limit their movement. Also, make sure the areas in which you are removing cattle are adequately lighted, and identify all chutes and pins as the same color as a change in color can stop their movement. Cattle can also have a wider range of hearing than people, can locate the source of a sound, and are sensitive to high-frequency sounds. Loud sounds can decrease movement of livestock, while a small amount of noise can assist in moving livestock. Loud noises caused by slamming gates can decrease cattle movement. Improper cattle handling can lead to injuries, lower conception rates, decrease gastrointestinal function, so instruct your workers on proper cattle handling techniques. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas boaters are being reminded to clean, drain, and dry their boats to prevent the spread of invasive species like zebra mussels. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Another Texas lake is now fully infested with invasive zebra mussels. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Hordes Creek Lake in Coleman County in west central Texas now has an established reproducing population of zebra mussels. Zebra mussels are a non-native shellfish. They attach to hard surfaces and water bodies like docks, boat anchors, and dams. They damage boats and infrastructure for water supplies. They can alter a lake's ecosystem and cause harm to our native species. A single zebra mussel was found in the lake in April by Army Corps of Engineers staff. Shoreline and substrate surveys conducted by TPWD resulted in the discovery of multiple sizes of zebra mussels, indicating a reproducing population in the lake. Brian Von Zee, TPWD's Inland Fisheries Regional Director, said unfortunately zebra mussels have spread to 35 Texas lakes, but there are far more lakes that have not yet been infested but are at risk. 
to protect these water bodies. TPWD is reminding boaters and anglers to clean, drain, and dry their boats, receptacles, and gear before leaving Texas lakes. Zebra mussel larvae are invisible to the naked eye, so they're often unknowingly transported to uninfested lakes by residual water in boats. Boaters should remove plants, mud, and debris from their boats and equipment, drain all water from the boat and gear, and once you're back home, open compartments and allow everything to dry completely for at least a week if possible. Additional details and a video on how to properly clean, drain, and dry a vessel are available on the TPWD website and their YouTube channel. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a positive start for the agricultural markets this week. Cattle, cotton, grains, all finishing strongly higher. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mostly positive day in the agricultural markets on Monday to kick off the trading week. Higher close in the cattle complex on all except the nearby June live cattle contract. It was down seven cents at 164.32. Everything else higher with August live cattle up 30 cents, 162.75. The October up 97. 167.12. Feeder cattle higher across the board. May feeders up a dollar two, two oh six fifty. August feeder cattle up two oh seven, two thirty one oh five. The September up a dollar eighty seven at two thirty three eighty five. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up cattle selling last week at one seventy. That's two bucks lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice down $1.77 at $302.84. Select up $1.15, $285.83. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry sold cattle at Producers in Cargyle Thursday in San Angelo. Jody, how'd it go? Went pretty good. 915 head the total today. Pretty comparable numbers to that week before. <laughs> Calling these better quality calves and yearlings about steady. Overall quality of today's sale, not as attractive as last week's sale. Had several lesser quality calves and some longboard cross calves today. Slaughter cows and bulls continue to sell with strong demand at near steady prices on those uh, slaughter cows and bulls. Replacement cows and calf-calf pairs still fairly lightly tested, but selling about steady. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 175, all the way up to a high of 260, mostly 190 to 230. Six to 800 pound steers, 155 to a high of 215, mostly 175 to $2. Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 160, all the way up to a high of 230, mostly 180 to 210. Charred cows average to high yielding, 71 to 90, like it has been, some of those highest yielding slaughter cows, 93 to a high of 99, 
thinner or lower yielded type cows. Not too many of those today from 55 to 70. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding 86 to 108. Some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 110 all the way up to a high of 124. Bred cows, heavy bred two-year-olds, a few small groups of those. Uh, medium to heavy bred anywhere from 925 to a high of 1425. What do you anticipate for next week well this weekend's weather uh is going to be the crapshoot i right. think if if things go in our favor and, and it rains in west texas you might hear the church choir from from here to fort stockton there, <laughs> there'll be some happy folks larry well tell everybody how to get a hold of you you bet any of us there at the office 325-653-3371 mobile phone same area code 234-7895 neighbor i'm larry marble thanks for listening to walking the pens here on the texas farm bureau radio network you're doing so on texas ag today Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished sharply higher on Monday. June hogs up 205 at 86.15. The July contract up 217 at 87.50. Lower close in class three milk on Monday. The May contract down a penny, 16.24 a hundred weight, with June milk down 16 cents, 16.41 a hundred. Nice triple digit gains in the cotton market to kick off the week on Monday. A lot of support coming from the outside markets, including the grain, energy, and metal markets, all of that helping to push cotton prices higher. Also seeing some short covering from the managed money funds, and that helped to boost prices as well. July cotton up 184 points, 82.37. The October up 166 points at 82.53. New crop December cotton up 163 points at 81.78. The corn market closed higher with July corn up six and a quarter, five ninety-two and a half, while September corn was up seven and a quarter, five eighteen a bushel. The wheat market has been on fire over the last week. We continued that momentum into Monday's trade. A positive USDA agricultural supply and demand report on Friday definitely helped things out. July Kansas City wheat up 21 and a quarter, 898 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 25 and three quarters at 660 and three quarters. In the energy markets, June natural gas up 10 cents, 237. June West Texas crude up 94 cents, 70, 98 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher. Monday afternoon, the Dow up 49 points, 33,350. The NASDAQ up 80, 12,365. The S&P up 12 at 4,136. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.